You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I want to, I had this question that, that came to me, and sometimes I just try to take things that God's shown me and maybe, maybe repackage it differently, but a lot of the things I'm going to share with you guys that God's put on my heart is maybe new to you anyways in terms of things that I've ministered, but uh, I'm going to share this in a way maybe that I haven't shared it before. But I just had this question come to me, and I thought, that is a really great question, and I feel like I asked it for a long time, and I got the answer, and I thought, well, I'm just going to ask this question to you guys, but I don't want you to answer it. It's a rhetorical question, because I feel like if you do answer it, you might answer it wrong, because I might give you an answer that surprises you, so I don't know. But you can write this question down. What is the law? What is the law? We hear things in churches about, you know, uh, the, the law or the law of God or the law of Moses or living underneath of the law or, you know, law versus grace, different things like that. And so just the question is like, what, what, is, what is the law? And <clears throat> I think most of us, would probably quickly answer, well, it's, it's the law of Moses. It's the Ten Commandments. It's the Levitical law, it's, which are 613 ordinances or whatever that are listed in, in Leviticus and stuff. That's the law. And that could be, and that could be an accurate answer. But I want to give you a more broad scope tonight. And I believe that if you get a hold of what I'm going to show you right here, it is going to absolutely positively set you free because I know that it, I know that it did me. And let me read, I want to start here in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and I want to read a few verses here. Can you hand me my water, please? So we're going to go to John, hang on, I got to get, bring my headset. Excuse me and thank you. John 1 and verse 14, and it says, The Word became flesh, which of course this is talking about Jesus, amen, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I want you to notice what it's saying here, that what came from Jesus and what came from the Father was grace and truth. Verse 15, John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Notice that it didn't say law for law. When Jesus came in, it brought something different into the world. And oftentimes, if you ask people the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, they, they don't necessarily know a good answer to it. But a simple answer you can give to it is that uh, Moses brought the law, and that was under the Old Covenant, but Jesus came and he brought grace. And this is very emphasized here. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So this is really important to me. This has become a foundational scripture for me that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about the law, 
I want to talk about the law to you in, I guess, in two, in two references. One is that you have the law of Moses, which is written in the Bible, and the Word of God tells us that the law is good. But then, as, then it also talks about how that the law will condemn us and will kill us. And so for years, I had this uh, conundrum. I had this back and forth of like, okay, I see that the law is good, but then you tell, then, then the word tells me, and I'm speaking to the Lord, Lord, you're telling me that your law will kill me. And it actually says that what was written and engraved on stones is an administration of death. And I remember one time I had somebody say, we need to put the Ten Commandments up on the wall. And I said, we're not putting the Ten Commandments up on the wall. And they're like, well, we must have it. It's, that's God's law. And I'm like, look, the Bible says what was written and engraved on stones. There's only one thing written and engraved on stones in reference to the Bible. And it was the Ten Commandments. And it says that the Ten Commandments, what was written and engraved on stones, is a ministry of death. It doesn't call it a ministry of life. It calls it a ministry of death. It had a measure of glory, but the fuller glory is what we have now in Christ Jesus. It's the new covenant that we have now in him. Can I get a big amen? And so when we're talking about the law, we're talking about the law of Moses could be one thing, but also it's a mindset that is inside of human beings that they live underneath of of the law. And the reason this is so important is because every human being, whether a Jew or a Gentile, and a Jew is a Jewish person from the nation of Israel that has that lineage, and a Gentile is anybody outside of that. It's just really simple. Amen? And so every person, whether you're talking about a Jew or a Gentile, has been brought into a legalistic law setting even if it wasn't in, uh, underneath of the Mosaic law. And I'm going to show you this from the scriptures. And the reason that this is so important is because if we don't understand how the legalistic law system came in, if we don't, if we don't understand that, we can very easily be brought back underneath of legalistic thinking that will keep us living at a lower level than what God intended for us to live at. And so there is a huge difference between the law of Moses and grace, but there's also a huge difference between any other kind of legalistic system and grace. And so I'm going to show you this here more from the Word. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, and I want to show you two quick verses from Romans chapter 10. And we're going to look at Romans 10 and verse 4, and I think we've got this pulled up, if I can see here. Here it goes. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So in other words, Christ is what replaced the law for righteousness sake. And actually, truth be told, the law was never there to, it, it could never make one righteous. The point of the law was to, of the Mosaic law, of Moses' law, this is very important, you need to hear this, the point of it was to point. It was to point to Christ. It was to point to the new covenant. It was never meant for people to go and live underneath of it in order to try and obtain or keep right standing with God. And so it, it's very interesting to me, and I know lots of people, and I love them dearly, that they've got this weird mix of New Testament Christianity with Judaism. Now, you can go back and you can look at the things that are in the Old Testament and you can draw out some amazing things that can 
that can lighten or bring more clarity or more understanding to the picture and the revelation of Jesus Christ. All of the Word of God is important, from Genesis to Revelation, all of it. But there's a huge difference between trying to relate to the Lord through a legalistic system versus relating to Him through Christ. And I've got some of these friends and different people that they get saved, and then they get brought into it. And you might know some of these people, maybe you've been involved with them, and many of them love God dearly, but they get brought into a system to where, you know, they get into like doing, doing the dances and, and wearing all of the, the things and doing all of the, the Jewish rituals and, and all that stuff. And, you know, you can love God and still do that, but it doesn't make you any holier or any closer to God by doing all of that stuff. It doesn't release any more power in your life. Everything comes through faith in Christ, not through faith in any kind of works that we do. It's extremely important. And so, I've, you know, I don't get into arguing with people. They, sometimes people say, "There's we need to do all this stuff and keep the feasts and all that. That's fine. If you want to do that stuff, I love Israel. I support Israel. I pray for Israel. I believe in all that. I just don't want to be a Jew because the Bible says that there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision in the, in the flesh, but it's faith in him. It's faith in God. It's faith in, 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 in uh, what Jesus has done. That's what makes the difference. It's about what we do in the heart, not what we do on the outside. And so what's happened is that years ago, what were known as the Judaizers, they actually took uh, specifically the area of Galatia, but really, really a lot of the people that Paul were, were ministering to in Colossae and Philippi, all these different places, Ephesus, and there was Judaizers that they were coming in and they weren't throwing out Christ. They were saying you need Christ, but you also have to be circumcised. You also, and that was the specific thing. There were other things that they were doing too, but that was the main thing. And he's, they would come in and they would say, yes, you need Christ, but you also have to do these other things. And what that is in Paul, I mean, when you read in Galatians, he just takes the gloves off and he just beats them to a pulp. And he says, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? What spell have you come under that you started out your relationship and your walk in Christ through faith, but now you're being perfected by what you do? And back then, to the Jews, circumcision was an issue of whether you were in covenant or not. And Paul made a very clear statement that it doesn't have anything to do with what you do that makes you in covenant. It's who you believe in. It's your faith that causes you to not only become in covenant and come into covenant, but also to stay in covenant with God. It's through faith in him and only through faith in him, not any works that you could ever do in and of yourself. So there was all of the Mosaic law and all those things and all the things that the Judaizers, the Jewish people, a lot of them, that they would add things to Christ, which Paul just called that a perversion. And if you go and read in Galatians chapter 1, he said, let that be, person be accursed. And then he didn't mince words. He said, he said it again. He said, let them be accursed. And so what he was saying was that let that person who says, I have to put faith in Christ, or yes, you have to put faith in Christ, but you also have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Let that person be accursed because they're trying to add something to what God did, and you can't do anything greater than what God did through Christ. It's the highest level of greatness. It's the highest level of covenant that there ever could possibly be. And so the reality is, is that the reason that the Jews, they went from a, they went from a, let me say it this way, the Pharisees, the reason that Jesus hated the Pharisees so bad, let's say he hated them, but the reason he was so hard on them was because they weren't preaching the law. 
they were actually preaching a dumbed-down version of the law. And what they would do is they would go in and they would, they would use Moses and they would use the prophets and things like that. But instead of preaching the law as it was really written, they lowered the standards down to a level they could keep. Might be difficult for all the other common folk, but it was a level that they could keep, but it was lower than God's standard. Because if the law had truly been preached, even the Pharisees would have looked at it and said, there's no way we can keep this. We must put our trust in God. That was the point of the law. It was the point to the need of a Savior. And that's why he was so hard on the Pharisees is because they weren't preaching the law. They were preaching a watered-down version that they had developed to get people to believe that they could live at some kind of standard when indeed that was not the standard that God set. The law was so high, the Mosaic law was so high, nobody could ever live underneath of that standard. And so that's why the law of God is good. And Paul told Timothy, he said, use the law, just use it lawfully. So how do you use the law? How do you use the Mosaic law lawfully? You use it by helping people see their need for a Savior because they could never live holy enough. If they could keep all of the law perfectly, then they would be holy enough for God. But nobody could ever do it. And that's why he said, preach the law. You can use the law, but use it lawfully. But what's happened through Judaism and through all other kinds of isms in the world and all kinds of things that people conjure up in their mind is you've got an entire system of works that the enemy has developed that have kept people at a place of dependency upon self and not a dependency, uh, dependency upon Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this. I'm going to write something up here on the board. Are you all still with me? All right. I spewed out a lot there really, really fast, and I don't want you to fall asleep on me. But this is, this is life-changing. This is awesome because... I, for most of us in here, there, I, maybe there's some people with, with Jewish heritage, or, or you might be a Jew, I don't know. But for most of us, we've not, we didn't grow up in a Jewish home or whatever, or Jewish customs. And so the whole idea about, about like the Mosaic law, that doesn't even enter into our mind anyways. Like we wouldn't even think about making a sacrifice or, you know, any, any of that kind of stuff or keeping doing all of the, the feasts and the new moons and the Sabbaths and all. We don't, we don't even think that way. But what we do think is how every other human being thinks, and that is that I need to be right. I need to be right with God. Every human being on the face of the earth understands this. I must be right with God. Everybody, every single person understands it at their core, or at least has that beckoning. If they maybe they don't understand it, maybe that's not the right way to say it. There's a beckoning. There's something in them that says, I must be right with God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 4 just says, we just read it, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness sake. Is that how it said? For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Amen. Now, let me show you this in Romans chapter 7. Let me read this to you very quickly. And actually, I said, let's see, I was going to go to verse 23, but let's go to verse, <clears throat> yes, let's just go to verse 23. He says, but I see another law. In my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. <clears throat> so here he says, I see another law, a different law than the law of Moses. I have another law that's warring in my members, bringing me into captivity. And if you fast forward to chapter 8, because remember, we put chapter and verse in here. 
But fast forward to chapter 8. There's so much I want to say about all this, but for time's sake, I'm going to move forward. Romans 8 and 1, it says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. When he was talking about another law that was warring in his members, he was not talking about the Mosaic law. He was talking about the law of sin and death. Does anybody know what death means? Yell it out if you know. What does death mean? Spiritual death, what does that mean? Separation, that's it. I was like, like, somebody's going to know this. Death means, or part of the, the meaning of death is separation. All right? So when he's talking about the law of sin and death, he's talking about a law of sin. It couldn't mean physical death because then it wouldn't bother you anymore. <laughs> You'd sin, you'd die, and then you wouldn't be bound by it anymore because you'd be dead, right? So he's talking about a, a dying on the inside. Has to be, has to be. Has to be some other kind of form of death. It's the law of sin and death or law of sin and separation from, and this goes all the way back to the garden. Are you all with me? Are you following me? This goes all the way back to the garden. When Adam and Eve sinned, it says that when they sinned, immediately they knew they were naked. Their eyes were open. Immediately they knew they were naked, and then they hid themselves. You know what that was? That was shame because of what they did that entered in, and then automatically self-effort entered into the, thing, entered into the equation. Automatically is, oh, my gosh, I'm not right. I'm not right here anymore. Because even God said, who told you you were naked? That's a question for us to ask. Who told you you were naked? I mean, not physically right now, praise God, because we all have clothes. Although there are, I did hear a conversation about our pants optional before church. Pants are not optional. They are a must, praise God. Anyways, it fit in the funny conversation. So, And it was all guys, so it was totally fine. But, you know, back then, like, they were naked, and, and, it, and it didn't matter because there was no shame involved. They were not even aware that they were naked. But somebody told them they were naked. Who told them they were naked? God asked the right question. When God asks a question, it's the perfect question. Who told you you were naked? I can tell you who told them they were naked. It was the devil working in their conscience, making them believe that they weren't something that God said they already were, which was in right standing with them. Because God came in to meet with them in the cool of the day, just as was normal. It didn't change God's mind about them. It changed their mind about God and about themselves. They believed that God saw them different than how he really saw them. They were in the exact same condition on the outside, but yet they tried to do something to cover it up. Folks, that is what we call the law of sin and death, the law of sin and separation, the law of doing or being wrong and then having this immediate awareness of I have to be right And this is where every single world religion enters in right here. Because I asked a question one day. I like to ask the Lord questions. And I asked a question one day, Lord, why would anybody do Buddhism? Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody do uh, Hinduism? Why would anybody do all of the other kind of isms? And all of the different world religions that, that there are, and they will, they will go through these. Um, there's a guy named Rob Rufus, one of my favorite teachers, one of my favorite ministers. And he used to be a Hare Krishna before he got saved and got radically changed by the gospel. And he was, this is a crazy story. This guy was married 
and stayed away from his wife physically for a pretty lengthy period of time. But then he said she was so beautiful that finally it all ended. But he, he took a vow of celibacy because of, of Hare Krishna and what he was in. And he used to like uh, uh, do beatings on himself and all kinds of stuff trying to be right. Why else would somebody do that kind of stuff? Why else would somebody get into a mode of going to... Uh, you know, going to a temple and going to all these different kind of things when we know as believers, they're talking to gods that can't talk back to them. This is why Paul said, when he was speaking to the Corinthians, he said those dumb idols. You know why he said dumb idols? It wasn't like, well, them dumb idols. It was like, no, the idols that can't speak to you, but now you have a living God who can speak clearly to you. How is it that people can go to a place and they never hear God speak, but they will go to it religiously year after year after year after year after year doing the same thing. And it's because there is an issue inside of them that can only be met through Jesus Christ, which is faith righteousness and not self-righteousness. So I want to draw on the board here for a couple of minutes and show you a couple of things. I'm just going to kind of categorize here. On this side, we're going to put, uh, we're going to put self, let's see, how did I want to say that? Uh, self or works righteousness. Y'all getting something out of this? All right. And then over here, we're gonna put we're gonna put Christ. How did I want to say that? Or uh, yeah, yeah, Christ. You know, let's see. We'll put trust in Christ or you could call it faith righteousness, all right? So righteousness by faith. And so this is self-works or self-righteousness. So it's righteousness or right standing with what you can do. And on, on this side over here, you could put all of the, I'm going to put the isms, all right? Uh, I'll put the isms. I'll put, look at this. Here's another ism, but let me spell it out. Uh, if I can spell I didn't go to English school. I went to Bible school. All right. <laughs> humanism. Humanism is, is basically like doing good. And that's not something that's like, you know, uh, you know, what religion are you? Oh, I'm humanism religion. Like nobody would say that. But it's the mentality that's very pervasive in our society, even in a lot of Christian churches, so-called Christian churches, that they've got all of these. I've talked to, I can't tell you how many Christians over the years, and it's like, you know, ask them about their relationship with the Lord, and what do you do, and how, how do you know you're right with God, and what, what do you do to have to be saved, and they're like, well, you know, I'm basically a good person, and, you know, I just really, I try to show up at church, and, you know, help help people, and I'll drop some money in the offering plate, and it's like, they go do all this stuff, and it's like, yeah, all that's good, but that can't make you right, because you can't do enough right stuff to make yourself good. It can only come through Christ, and so what we find over here are all of these doings, all of these things that, that people do. And then what we also have mixed in here is we could also say uh, Judaism, which is another ism, but Judaism, um, and the law of Moses is all, all of this stuff is based on works, self-works, self-righteousness, what person can do, what man can do, all of the ability within man. That's what all of this stuff speaks to. The only exception I'll say to this is that this actually like I said, it is a good thing. The law of Moses is a good thing. It just has to be used lawfully. 
The point with all of the sacrifices and having a priest and all of that, the point of it was for the Jewish people to preach the gospel through the law to themselves and to the rest of the world that there is coming a Messiah, there is coming a way to make you right. That's the reason why God gave the law. Now, it did also, there was a lot of like civil law and stuff mixed in there to where they were able to function as a society, as a nation, because they came out of bondage. They had no clue how to even function as a nation. There was lots of benefits to it. But the main benefit is to point to something or someone that was coming, an event that was coming, that was going to make all of the wrong right. And the problem that we have today, here's the single biggest problem that we have today, all right? So over here, you've got, all right, you got a cross, all right? I'm not going to try, I was going to draw a fancy cross, but all right, you got a cross or a plus sign because the cross is a big plus in your life. So however you want to look at it. And, and this column right here, let's put it, um, we'll say things that uh, Christians do. Things that Christians do. Um, I'm going to just do this quick. I'm going to call it BR for Bible reading, all right? Bible reading. Uh, church, they go to church. Uh, missions, they give into missions. Um, they serve. Uh, they can just, you could just say they, they tithe. Um, you could list a whole bunch of other things in there. You know, they, they worship, they sing songs, they do all this stuff. Well, let me ask you, is there anything wrong with any of that stuff right there? No, every single thing that I just listed right there, your Bible reading, going to church, missions, serving, uh, tithing, worship, and whatever other stuff you want to put, that's all good stuff. That is all good stuff to do. But do you know that you could have someone, you could have a humanistic Christian, you could have people over in different, um, different, well, any denomination, in any church, this church, any church, that fall on the side of self-righteousness or self-works and not on the side of of Christ or faith righteousness. You know what the difference is? Because you could have, um, you know, sister so-and-so that's doing this that falls on this side, and you could have brother so-and-so that's doing the same thing, but he falls on this side. You know what the difference is? Heart motivation. It's heart motivation. Because if you're doing these things to try and get righteousness this way through self-effort, through works, then you're never going to attain it. And your motivation for doing it is to get Versus if you're doing these things because of what Christ has already done, now these things are a fruit of your righteousness that you have in Christ instead of trying to make them become a root. Instead of trying to make them uh, be the thing that makes you right with God or makes you not right with God or to the level that you're operating in is the level that God's going to bless you, that he's going to love you, all this kind of stuff. Whatever measure that you're doing that and you think you're living at and that the Lord is actually relating to you, you're in, you're in self-righteousness or you're in, you're in works. And the Bible says, it's in Isaiah, I want to say it's Isaiah 61, but it says that your righteousness are, are as filthy rags. Your righteousness are as filthy rags. And it's talking about self-righteousness. But what we have been given is a righteousness in Christ Jesus that through faith in him, not only are we made right, but we're also kept right. Any of this stuff that I do years ago, even after I got saved, even after I got saved, I still lived in this world, in this realm right here. 
I was saved. I was on my way to heaven. But when I read my Bible, when I did my BR, my Bible reading, it was to try to get God to love me. It was to try to get God to accept me. Whenever I would go to church, sometimes it was to, to appease other people. It was to like, God, I went to church. And I just, I always tied everything that I did to me being blessed and loved and forgiven and continued to be forgiven and in good graces with God, not realizing that everything that I was doing to try to get from God was nothing but a stench in his nostrils because I was actually adding something to Jesus, which is a perversion of the gospel that came through Christ. That's powerful stuff. <laughs> and, it, and it should just kind of make us take a step back and go, Lord, am I doing anything to try to perform for you? Because if I am, then I really haven't looked at Christ's performance and realized that it was enough. It was more than enough to make me right with you. And the deal is, is that once you get a hold of this, because I've, I've had people tell me for years, Pastor Ken, if you say that, people will go live in sin. You'll give them a license to sin. People have been living in sin without a license for a long time. They don't need a license. <laughs> it's true. What will happen is when your heart becomes awakened to what I'm saying right here, all of the performance will go out the window. Instead of giving because you're like, and I, and I, I still, I'm, I'll, you know, I hear people say things and I hear a little twinge of like, okay, well, they're, they feel obligated to give. And I don't want people to feel obligated to give. But they'll be like, well, I, I give my tithes and I, I give them and the Lord blesses me. It's like, actually, you're blessed because of what Christ has done. And you should only give as a response to the fact that you are blessed, you are right with him, you are loved by him, and you just want to be a blessing to him and to people and whatever it is that you're giving into. But you don't give to get, to get something from God. You don't have enough money to get anything from God. We give as a result of where we are seated with, now with Christ, with him and in him. That's the reason we give. That's the reason we put money into the offering plate or bucket or whatever. That's the reason that we worship. There's a lot of times we can find ourselves, this is, this is true, and this will hit home, and I'm going to stop with this. We can find ourselves in worship trying to get something from God. I'll be honest with you, I've found myself doing that. Got a need in my body, got a need in uh, finances or whatever, and I go into worship, and it's almost like this mentality of like, God, I'm... I'm worshiping you, and then really in the back of my mind, it's like, I really need this thing met. And I've basically broken out of that mentality, but I was there for a lot of years, and I always felt this need to do to get something. We don't have to do, do to get anything. All we have to do is put faith in him, trust in him, and then realize what we have been given, and it will work in our life. Let's go back real quick to, if we can, pull it up on the on the overhead, Romans 10. Go to Romans 10, back to uh, verse 4. And I want to look at this real quick. It says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. It's proportionate to the level of your believing. To the level that you believe in the work of Christ is to the level that you for all of us, is to the level that we can come out of a performance mentality and trust in what Christ has done. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness 
And this has to be talking about more than the Mosaic law. It has to be talking about the mentality that is in people because the law was, again, it was never intended to make one righteous. You can read that in the word. It was never meant to make anybody righteous. So when he's saying that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, it's talking about the workings that people do. It's the self-righteousness. It's the self-working that people do that was embedded in human beings all the way back at the garden. Every single one of us were born after the seed of Adam. And every, every one of us were in, born into this fallen state. Because, see, we talk about the fallen state and about how we're all fallen and all of, all of sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's more than just like, Jesus, help me, I'm a sinner. It's also like, Jesus, help me, I still think like a sinner. I still think like a lost person. I'll hear people say, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. If you're truly saved by grace, you are not an old sinner anymore. Because the old man was dead, buried, and he's under the water, and he's washed down the stream, and nobody should ever try to, you know, bring his old crusty bones back up. and Let him be there, because you are a new person in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Man, this is awesome. And to the measure you, you and I believe that is to the measure that we'll walk in that in our life, to the measure that we'll manifest that in our life. That's good stuff. I love it. This is, this is what you want to, like, what makes you tick? This makes me tick more than anything because I lived in a, in a condemned state for so, like, basically, I'm not, I, I, I'm starting to get older now. I used to always preach and say, well, I'm not that old, but I'm almost 40, so whatever. For 30 rounds, like, you ain't old. For 30 years, for 30 years, I could say that I lived in a state of self-righteousness. I loved God, but I still felt the need to work to get to God or to keep what I had. And then I, I think I spent about another five or six years getting rid of the residue from it. It's a total mind, mind shift change. You totally change the way that you're thinking and going after the Lord. A lot of times, especially, and I'm, I'm a faith guy. I believe in faith. I preach faith. I believe faith. I live faith. But a lot of faith people get caught up in almost a works mentality, thinking that their level of faith will get God to release. No, God releases according to grace. Faith is what responds to the Lord to receive the grace that he's already poured out. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.